Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Pragmatic Investor. My guest today is Ben from More Crypto Online. He's a fellow Elliott Wave theorist and a YouTuber. So today we've got the chance to go in-depth about Elliott Wave theory. I got to ask Ben why he prefers this method over other forms of technical analysis, how he uses it to find good investments in the crypto world, what he thinks about cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum, and also how he feels about the altcoins, where he thinks we are in the current Bitcoin cycle, his more immediate outlook on various cryptocurrencies, and even his outlook on more general investments. I really enjoyed this conversation with Ben because, you know, it's not often that you get to really talk in depth with someone that knows so much about Elliott Wave theory and investing and trading in general. If you haven't already, please go ahead and check out his YouTube channel. It's filled with incredibly good videos on Elliott Wave theory and Bitcoin. He puts content out every day and it's a great channel. And if you haven't already, please go ahead and like and subscribe if you'd like to stay updated with the latest episodes of the podcast. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Ben. As always, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. All right, I'm here today with Ben from More Crypto Online. Ben, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, so here's my first question. Now, a lot of people don't really, even those that do technical analysis, don't really know too much about Elliott Wave Theory. I'd say that maybe it's one of the uh, lesser known forms of technical analysis. And this is, of course, what you specialize on, Elliott Wave Theory, and applied to crypto. So first of all, what is it about Elliott Wave Theory that attracted you? How did you get started? And why do you like this form of technical analysis? Yeah, I think I think Elliott Wave is it's for some reason it's especially popular in crypto. I don't know I don't know why. I think it's it's obviously a difficult, let's say, a difficult form of TA to to master and to really, yeah, to to really get you know to, to really learn it. It takes a long time. Mm-hmm. So a lot, of, a lot of a lot of people I think just mainly know about like you know trend lines and the basic forms of TA like head and shoulders pattern all this stuff, mm-hmm. um, because this is I think more sim- more easy to learn and you know. Um, but overall, you know, I, when, I mean, I started my, you could say, trading journey or analysis journey when I was 18, so I'm now 35, so it's, it's been a while. Um, mm. But over time, I mean, initially, I, I sort of jumped in, you know, I opened my stock, first stock portfolio and sort of, um, it obviously uh, collapsed. <laughs> you know, I, bought, I bought bank stocks in 2018, I think it was. Uh, no, not 2018, 2008. Um, so yeah, that was very much in the beginning and I, I had no clue about TA and anything. So yeah, but I blew my portfolio. It was not much, but obviously I didn't really have a, I only had a part-time job back then, was still studying. So um, it, uh, it, st- it still hurt, but it was overall not too much money, which I, I was really lucky, lucky um, about. But that sort of, I think the problem then is many people who sort of lose in the stock market or make mistakes. And I think on your journey, I think everybody's on, on this kind of journey, everybody who wants to, you know, operate and, and act in financial markets. M- most people, most traders actually at some point they will blow a portfolio. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that pain that you need to feel initially to, 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 you know, to understand that you need to deal with risk management. And that's where Elite Wave comes in. I was really looking for risk management tools and 
I mean, you find a lot of generic stuff, but Elliott Wave, in my opinion, I mean, the, the, the discipline or the main characteristic of Elliott Wave is that it's a great risk management tool. Um, and many people don't understand that. I think a lot of people are looking for the crystal ball, which it of course is not. It, it has predictive qualities, but I think they are second to the qualities of Elliott Wave as a risk management tool. Mm. So that's what it's really good at because it tells you, even though Elliott Wave counts, I mean, it takes a lot of experience to do them properly because it, it's smaller. It's more than just counting five waves up and three waves down because that's what it is. It's essentially Elliott Wave. You can determine where a trend is or in which direction the trend is moving um, by basically counting in very simple terms, five waves in one direction. So if I can count five waves to the upside, I have a first indication that an uptrend is going. Now there's much more to it, of course. Um, and then if you get a three wave pullback, which forms a higher low, you basically have the second confirmation. Now for that pullback, you can de de define a support area. And if that is broken, it basically tells you, no, it's not an uptrend. You, you continue with a downtrend. And knowing these key levels that you determine with Fibonacci levels, which are objective, yeah, that's objective, the objective element of Elliott Wave, that gives you a very clear level where, for example, you could set your stop loss and if you can manage to get into a position very close to that stop loss or very close to that invalidation point, you, you, you have a really great risk management tool because you, you risk very little. It doesn't hurt when the trend breaks or when you, your stop loss triggers. And that's the main aspect why I really like Elliott Wave, especially in crypto, because honestly, cryptos, uh, there are so many, and I don't know it's, if it's YouTube or a lot of influencers who caused this, but a lot of people go in there with the mentality you can... You can get rich overnight, um, whereas the first thing that people should focus on is risk management and to preserve their capital, especially in crypto, because it's so volatile and Elite Wave helps with that. And then, of course, on top of that, which comes, I think it's the other advantage is the, the predictive qualities, because it gives you it gives you a roadmap. But again, it's all probability. So it's not you only get one roadmap. It gives you two or three. And that's the work of the analyst to identify the two or three main scenarios which are all likely but all of these scenarios give you certain levels against which you can trade right and then on different time frames i mean nobody needs to trade on the smallest time frames right you can mm -hmm. just you know, trade the weekly chart and it's basically investing you could say and then um yeah but it's a great risk management tool and has probably better you could say predictive powers than many other tools that i know because it gives you that roadmap you always get that i always like that understanding where you are actually in the cycle mm -hmm. of, of an asset yeah, absolutely. I find myself agreeing with you uh, quite a bit. Definitely one of the key points of value wave theory. It's very easy in a way to determine those invalidation points, those kind of key support areas where you would expect a reversal or where, you know, you might want to cut your losses because it kind of changes the count. Um, you know, I think your trading journey kind of, like you say, a lot of people uh, go through the same, you know, it's, it's all a learning process, I think. Mm. Um, making mistakes is part of it, right? I guess the the key is to not make too too big mistakes at the beginning. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I, I usually, um, also in, in, in our MCO community, I always try to point out, uh, please, please, before you trade anyway, um, make sure you understand the analysis, understand the thoughts behind it and understand risk management. That's really key because without, if you've lost all your money, you can't you can't trade anymore you've just taken away that you know what you trade with so that that has to be priority right absolutely absolutely and in terms of the crypto community i mean i guess there's a there's an element there of uh 
self-selection, right? I think obviously a lot of people are drawn into the crypto community because of the the potential for big gains. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's obviously a lot of people expecting that. And obviously, well, where there's big gains, there's also potential for big losses, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I guess a lot of people come into the space because there is a lot of volatility and yeah, there is among among Bitcoin, but more so a lot of altcoins now, especially now in the in the bear market, especially well, I'm not sure if Bitcoin is still in the bear market and ETH, but but certainly a lot of altcoins are. So you've seen less and less of that volatility. And most of these spikes that we've seen, they've just been corrective rallies. And that's especially where also Elliott Wave, I think, comes in because it allows us to understand when, when the trend has really changed. And I'd rather be in a little late in an uptrend um, than going into early and then it all breaks down again. So I think, again, here risk management comes into place. Um, and to be honest, yeah, where you said there are a lot of lot of gains to be made, but a lot of losses as well. But then if you understand exactly what I highlighted in the beginning, that sort of process that you would try to identify those, we, we call them one-two setups because the first five wave move up is a wave one. The, the first pullback then in three waves is a wave two. So that's typically the best setup to trade because you get the best reward to risk ratio. Absolutely. And I think especially with altcoins, when, when, you know, when people get into this space, I think first, especially because you can lose a lot to get familiar with it, you just keep your, your position sizes small. But then um, as, as if you can be patient and you wait for those good setups, even though they, of course, can break, and that's what altcoins sometimes do because they are also more correlated to Bitcoin. So yeah, you know, they are very, they're fluctuating a lot and setups do break. That's just what they do. But I think point or the key is not to try to trade for win rate, these altcoins, but to trade for reward and risk. And if you can really wait for these deep pullbacks after a first, after a first uptrend, after a first impulse, we call it, uh, first five-wave move, mm-hmm. and you have the patience to wait for these very deep pullbacks, then you can try to trade for reward and risk. And even if you fail, even if 50%, even if 60% of your trades fail, the, the, the few ones that are going to make it, especially in the altcoin sector, um, when you trade for reward and risk, I mean, they will be very rewarding. Because, I mean, we talk sometimes... You talk about, okay, maybe you're risking $2, $3 where you set your stop loss, depending on where you set it. But you could make, if it, you know, if it really starts a third wave rally, which is the most aggressive wave, the, the most aggressive trend, I mean, you could make $100, $200, right? With one, even though you only risk 2 or $3, just to give an example. So that's, um, I think, what a lot of people need to understand. It's not necessarily about win rate. It's about having patience, waiting for those good setups, because a lot of setups are not good. You know, and most of the price action we see doesn't really demand any action, but still everybody tries to jump on, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of day traders try to trade everything, which is not the right way to do. You need to have patience and and really wait for quality setups. Mm-hmm. Right, absolutely. I think, you know, if you manage your risk properly at the end of the day, it only takes a win rate of about 55%, right, to be a successful mm-hmm. trader if you're, if you're really managing that, that risk properly. Yeah, and sometimes even less. I mean, you don't even need, if you have a reward, to, if you're trading for reward and risk of a, I don't know, a three to one reward to risk ratio, you don't even need 50%, to be honest, right. even though it's it's good to have more than 50, absolutely. But um, yeah, you don't need it. That's I think I think that's, when people understand that, that's very reassuring because a lot of people put a lot of pressure on them, try to win every trade, and but then that's not possible, right? And um, I think it's much easier to to focus on what you can control, which is, your entries and your exits and where your stop loss sits and you just let it you just let it run and see what happens instead of just trying to worry about okay is it going to hold and all oh, what do i do so sometimes it's just better to maybe 
relax a little bit and just trade for reward and risk. And if the trade breaks, it doesn't matter so much. If you've got your position sizing correctly, you know, you're positioning close to the stop, most of your position size. And so you risk little, but can you can you can earn a lot, really. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. When did you start trading crypto and why? So trading, so I've been, as I said, so when I was 18, probably I really started getting generally into the markets, uh, looked at stocks a lot, you know, um, mostly stocks and shares, and then a little bit of Forex. I think it's been, it was before the 2017 bull run that I, okay, I can't remember if it was 2016 or 2015, but um, someone, some, so some work colleagues back then sort of introduced me actually to it. And because I was very interested in financial markets anyway, and I was trading on the side, Mm -hmm. so time um, it was of course interesting to me first of all I thought it you know it looks a bit like a bubble didn't understand it initially but when I really read about Bitcoin what it was and you know I saw like many others the potential for it so I got more and more interesting and I think yeah I think I really got into it in 20, 2016 I would say um, but then didn't really trade I just observed and then I think it was after I mean, I, I tracked it. I think I made a few small trades and, and I think I, I, you know, I took some profits 2017 in the bull run, but not enough. And, um, you know, it, it was a little bit of a bubble back then, but obviously Bitcoin recovered. And mm -hmm. after that uh, sort of blow off top in 20, I think it was 2017, right? Or end of 2017, that sort of bull run that we had back then. After that, I, I really saw my opportunity in a bear market to accumulate, but not only Bitcoin. I looked at other coins as well. For example, I got, I was kind of lucky, you could say, but then is it luck? I mean, I really, I really focused on that market. So I bought, I bought ADA, for example, very, very early. So mm -hmm. I was um, kind of lucky. That's, that's why it's actually still one of my biggest holdings, even though today, I mean, I would not accumulate all of these altcoins, but if you're very early, you know, and you know, that's the point you, you make, you make a lot with little in the altcoin market. That's all sort of my motto. Um, so, I, you know, that's why I was quite lucky because it was really early, but yeah, sort of 20, after the, the blow off top, I really started trading, trading crypto. Mm -hmm. So what is it about crypto then? Does it, is it just a matter of, you know, good potential for trading or do you also have some more uh, fundamental beliefs? Like, do you, do you kind of believe in the, uh, the idea of a uh, Bitcoin and, and its utility? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, I think mainly, so first of all, I find it interesting because it's, it's sort of, a little bit of the, I mean, the tech behind it sort of interests me. I mean, I like, um, I always like innovation. I like new developments and I like the whole concept of blockchain decentralization, even though most projects these days aren't really decentralized, but nice. obviously Bitcoin is. And ETH obviously came after that, which I'm also very interested in. But yeah, it's sort of the whole idea of maybe having a different portfolio asset class. So obviously, also when we talk about generally a portfolio of different asset classes. I think Bitcoin fits in there very nicely because it's something new. Um, and I, I don't see it like gold, but it's still, I see it sort of as maybe digital gold, but it's something that is allowing obviously transfers of, I mean, it's not money, right? But it's transfers of, of coins without any person in between. So you can just transfer something to someone without a bank in between, without any sort of service provider in between. And I think that, you know, I'm observing the geopolitical situation. I'm, I'm quite worried about what's going on in the world these days. So I think it's worth 
from a fundamental point of view, maybe as some kind of security where if really things kick off, I mean, I don't know what happens with the, with the, with the, with the cash market, the USD at some point. I mean, that's obviously worst case scenario, but I'm not sure how helpful gold would be in that scenario. But I think Bitcoin might be because um, you, know, you can always take it with you. Uh, you don't want to you know, take your gold coins over, over a border with you, but with Bitcoin you can. It's just a digital, um, digital, isn't it? So I think from a fundamental point of view, it, it, I see it as some kind of a yeah, innovative technology, which is obviously mathematical, mathematically limited. So it's the limitation behind it, which is interesting as well. And yeah, it's just the whole, it's a phenomenon. I think that's why it's so interesting. And I'm not sure if any altcoin will ever be able to overtake, well, maybe, never say never, you know, but mm -hmm. it sort of um, has proven itself over the years. And it's one of the few cryptocurrencies that has stood the test of time, really. The only other one is ETH, maybe BNB, but then there aren't many others because most altcoins have been outperformed by Bitcoin. And so generally about crypto, yeah, it's that idea about centralization, but also from a trading point of view, obviously the volatility is one of the most volatile markets. Um, so it's certainly interesting for swing trades, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, to me, I think Bitcoin, you know, we can make the case now that it, it definitely can act in that kind of way of digital gold. Now, the last few months, especially, it's become yeah quite clear that you know a lot of these altcoins, um, you know, maybe kind of uh, they got obviously the, all of these altcoins did very well during those zero percent interest rate environments and all the QE. Now, you know, it, it seems like a lot of the froth is kind of being cleared off the top. Uh, Bitcoin obviously has been outperforming. How do you feel about it? Like, how do you feel about Ethereum? Is that one that you like long term? Let's say a bit like Bitcoin. Yeah, I think. I mean, I'm analyzing from an A-wave point of view, ETH versus BTC. So I'm analyzing the ETH-BTC pair. So right. which one is going to outperform which one? The chart isn't entirely clear, but it sort of hints at potentially a bright future of ETH compared to Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So ETH, I think, is the only, maybe with BNB as well, but that's the exception. So ETH is one of the only altcoins that is really, I mean, I'm not sure if I should even call it an altcoin because it's sort of an, its own right. thing. But it, it's sort of, yeah, the only one that has really at least partially outperformed Bitcoin um, on the on the larger time frame. On most altcoin charts, yeah, you see that in the bull run, you get these weird spikes, but then overall over the long period, they all lose out over Bitcoin. Um, whereas ETH, I think, has really done very well. So I trust it long-term from a chart point of view. Mm -hmm. um, also fundamentally, I mean, you never know what, you know, you, you never know what happens, right? So it's it's still, a young market and it's still young so that's why i would never really go all let's say go only eth or only btc i would have them both sort of um in a very similar balance in, in the portfolio a similar percentage uh, maybe a little bit more btc but then you know some, someone who might want to enjoy the additional performance of eth that's forecasted might might put a bit more ETH in their portfolio mm -hmm. um, i leave it fairly balanced but yeah it's also something i'm interested in not necessarily. I mean, fundamentally, obviously, it's it's still the platform that most apps sort of are hosted on, right? And it's the mm -hmm. the most successful blockchain, I would say. You know, with most apps or the apps, um, most other projects being built on. Um, so yeah, it's certainly out there. And despite all efforts of other technologies or other altcoin projects, I think ETH has has performed really well and uh, doesn't seem to want to give up its its second second place mm -hmm. behind Bitcoin. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I agree with you also. I think if you look at the chart, it, it definitely shows that that potential there for, for our performance. Now, mm. obviously, anyone who's interested in your view can go to your channel, More Crypto Online on YouTube, and you do regular videos there pretty much daily on the outlook for Bitcoin, Ethereum, many other altcoins. Um, mm. Could you break it down for us a little bit here in terms of, let's say, Bitcoin? Where do you see us right now in the cycle? Give us a little bit of the, the rundown of where you see Bitcoin moving in the next medium and then also longer term. So longer term, I think Bitcoin is in a, in a stable uptrend. I mean, if you really look at the chart, um, long term multi-year chart, it's, it's in a nice uptrend. And the current forecast shows that we might already be in the bull run. I mean, since November 22, Bitcoin's price has doubled basically. I mean, yeah, it's lost some of it again, but it has basically doubled in, in an environment in which interest rates increased. Yeah, So that's always uh, interesting because a lot of people say, okay, when interest rates increase, Bitcoin isn't going to go up, you know, and, but actually it was the opposite way, especially between November last year. And uh, I think we had the peak in April or, or July, there was another peak. So, you know, prices have certainly gone up despite an interest rate increasing environment, which I find interesting. So I think you can make the case that Bitcoin is in the bull run, um, even though in the early stages, I think a lot of people still call it bear market because it's a very uncertain environment. Yeah. And it's not, it's not absolutely evident that Bitcoin is in the bull run, but it doubled in price. So, I mean, if that's not a bull run, I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. But then also a lot of altcoins are obviously losing, losing, losing. So it's not an environment in which altcoins are thriving at the moment. So I think that's why most people call it still bear market. And yeah, I mean, it's not, you know, you can't say for sure that the, the bear market is over for Bitcoin, right? So it might still come down further. My, for me at the moment, and I have to say, it's a very difficult market, but we had enough, let's say, uptrend, um, patterns, enough impulse to the upside for me to say that as long as, I think it's the $18,800 level, roughly, um, mm -hmm. as long as that level is really holding, I, I would focus on higher for Bitcoin on the, let's say, on the daily time frame and look potentially for reactions to the upside that could send us to forty to 50000 next. Now, mm -hmm. that might still be a few months off, but, you know, never say, you know, a year-end rally could happen, and that could all happen, right? <laughs> Oftentimes, you get um, a week September historically in the in the crypto sector. Generally, I think in in the stock market as well. And then typically October, November are fairly strong months. If you if you look at the average for the last twelve years for crypto, look at seasonalities. Um, if you want to, you know, bring that in as well, can be another factor. Then oftentimes there are year-end rallies. So it will be interesting to see if some, something like that that happens again. This year, it could certainly, you know, be that sort of third wave rally that could take us to above 30,000. And problem was that the 30 or $31,000 level that we bounced off um, this year, we couldn't get above. That's very strong resistance. As soon as we get above that, I think the pathway to forty and $50,000 is, is clear. And then overall, I think it's very uncertain at the moment, but I think the next couple of years will be very profitable in crypto, um, especially when we talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum, I think altcoins very uncertain because which project is really going to make it. I think a lot of projects are not going to, and a lot of charts are not going to go to new all-time highs again, Yeah, um, but they might still run. Mm -hmm. But I focus mainly on Bitcoin, Ethereum. So I think we are currently in the early stages of the bull run, but I'm short term, I'm still focused on lower because we haven't seen any bottoming pattern that gives me confidence. So it could very well be while we're looking for these bottoming patterns, if they don't show up, that we could sort of get back to a new bear market low. But 
I will only really focus on that primarily as soon as price goes below $18,800. Yeah, always have to change. We always have to change our view. I basically have an, a view on the daily time frame, which tells me where I think the daily trend is. But we're using the relevant support levels also to understand when the trend changes. And I'm using the smaller time frame wave counts to understand when we probably have bottomed. But if I don't see that, then my forecast will be further down. And if you know if that doesn't show up before eighteen thousand eight hundred, then we might head to below ten thousand. So it's still uncertain. Um, it's certainly at the moment. If we talk about Bitcoin, I mean, I wouldn't. I I don't mind buying now, but only small, you know, small bits as we go lower, sort of for my long term portfolio. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of altcoins, I would I would not just blindly buy at the moment. I would just be watching them all the time if I was really trading altcoins. I don't see altcoins necessarily as, let's say, just buy and hold because a lot of them can die, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, it's interesting. You've mentioned the fact that, you know, certain months are better or worse for Bitcoin. Of course, we are approaching uh, the next halving. I think that's mm. program from around March, April of 24. Obviously, that's something that a lot of people look towards now, that halving cycle, the idea being that uh, Bitcoin tends to rise you know, towards and kind of after the halving as well. Um, how much of that do you introduce to your analysis in terms of, I guess you could call the the fundamentals of Bitcoin in terms of Bitcoin halving? And of course, there's a lot of other kind of uh, cycle theories. Is that is that something that, that influences your decision or are you very much purely focused on the, the Elliott wave counts? Yeah, I think the, I observe it, I track it and, and I, I mention it sometimes in my videos and also we, uh, to, my, to, my, to the core community, we have, you know, regular live stream. So I sometimes do topics on that and we talk about that in more detail. But um, in the, with regards to the halving, I mean, in my opinion, we haven't had really enough, you could say data points to really come up with a reliable strategy that you say, okay, just because it happened in the past, it's going to happen again. That is speculative. But yeah, I mean, normally what happens is before the halving, like sort of now, you would normally get a last dip that's what happened historically. So that could be this current correction, which we call a wave two correction, or I call it currently a wave two correction. Last time that happened, um, 2020, March 2020, where we had also a deep, a mm -hmm. deep breakdown, very deep, obviously. Um, but it didn't make a lower low. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't make a new bear market low. So that's sort of my, if you want to say, theory. I mean, I'm not focusing on that really in the analysis, but it it would fit together with the Elliott wave count at the moment, where we say we're currently. Yeah, we had our impulsive moves to the upside to the 31,000 mark um, until uh, April, July, sort of this year. And now we're coming down in a correction. And that could really be this dip, which could get quite deep, to be honest, before really the halving rally starts, um, maybe like the final shakeout of, of the weekends. Um, I mean, that's just to, to align it with, with the halving cycle. Um, but yeah, typically, I mean, normally you would say that, I think it's, I remember sort of a year before the halving, things really start to, or one and a half years, things start to move slowly into the direction of, um, yeah, further for new all-time highs historically. And yeah, it started in November. So that's basically sort of a theory that you could say the new run to new all-time highs has started in November, but there is typically another major dip before that, not necessarily mm -hmm. making a new low, could just be a higher low. And um, then, yeah, we might, we might rally, but I think it, it would still be a rocky road. I think it's the chart. It's just that environment, you know, where also obviously liquidity constraints and things like that. I think it's not going to be 
an easy rally as we had it maybe in previous bull runs. I think it will be more difficult than many expect. And I think, I think I've got a theory that I think for a lot of altcoins, it, you know, a lot of people think, yeah, we got to get that alt season, right? As it always has been in the past. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if we really get that again. I mean, yes, it, it will still, you will still see the rallies, but across all altcoins, I mean, do we really see that again? I think a lot of traders or investors or retail people, I think they've learned their lesson. I think a lot of burned, burned their portfolios and, you know, a lot of people realize that a lot of these projects are, I mean, I'm not saying a lot of them are scam, but they are, they are, a lot of them are experimental mm-hmm. and they don't really, I mean, for a lot of people, it's like, it's funny, you know, when you, when you look back at what the sentiment was in the bull run, a lot of people said, okay, look, I'm going to invest in this project because, okay, like they've got a Twitter page, um, they've got a website and they've got a good use case. So that's it. And then people bought at, at the high. And, uh, you know, I also made some wrong decisions there, but I, I typically exited, but some I'm just holding. But I kept, typically, that's why I just buy small positions, you know, when we talk about altcoins. And uh, it doesn't really hurt when it then goes down. So um, that's what, how I manage risk with altcoins. But, or I stop out. Um, but yeah, that's, that's sort of, you know, it, I don't think that sentiment is coming back easily. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe for selected projects, but I'm, I'm very much questioning if we really will see that altcoin rally into the next uh, will run that really affects all altcoins. We'll see. I mean, but then, you know, we can still jump onto the train when we see the first setups. But that's sort of, I just think it will be a rocky road given, given the, uh, the wider situation in the, in the economy and liquidity constraints and everything, interest rates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if, if we were to look at the previous cycle, you know, it, possible we get that deep retracement obviously that could be a, a very good opportunity to buy right if, if bitcoin maybe went down to to about 20k as long as maybe it doesn't break that resistance level you talked about before around the 18k level yeah but even even then i mean for, for bitcoin i'm not even worried i mean even if even if we do that mm-hmm. i mean for anybody i mean maybe that would then be the last flush you know the last the last real breakdown capitulation and then i mean if we get another low i mean that should be the last one and then maybe i mean at least then the next bull run should probably start. But that's why I think technically or strategically, it's very wise to, at the moment when, when I buy, I really keep positions small. I mean, I buy sometimes Bitcoin, $100, you know, $150, just sort of while it goes down on a red day. And then sometimes, you know, when it goes up suddenly, I just take some profits, sort of very casual, but I keep a lot of, of a lot of cash flow available, a mm-hmm. lot of cash basically as part of my portfolio, for potential of you know those lower prices because even though in the analysis I don't primarily expect it, you know it's it's all probabilities right and it can very well the trend is currently down so the, the local trend is down at least and that can of course change the larger trend so I'm very much watching that and my strategy is either waiting for a real bottoming pattern and then trading aggressively on the long side or just buying slowly on the way down to increase my long term portfolio uh, BTC position um but then keeping cash available for really in a, a last yeah a last crash i mean i bought quite a bit in november last year when ftx collapsed mm-hmm. i held cash for those opportunities and i always mention that in the in the community when i do it and that was the low you know and that, that's why i like to I, I learned that from previous bear markets when you don't hold enough cash to be able to capitalize on those opportunities you just can't <laughs> and they make the best trades really Right, yeah. Now you mentioned 
seeing a bottoming pattern. What what exactly does does that mean to you? What 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 exactly would you qualify as a bottoming pattern that that will give you high confidence of a reversal of a bottom being in place? Yeah. So when I um, when I'm tracking the downtrend now, the local downtrend, I'm tracking also with the use. I mean, I use the let's say smaller Elliott wave degree structures to understand where I need to put my resistance level um, with Fibonacci levels. So that's very important. You typically combine elite wave and Fibonacci. It doesn't, one doesn't, well, mm -hmm. you can use Fibonacci without elite wave, but you can't really use elite wave with Fibonacci, without Fibonacci. And you, I basically track Fibonacci resistance. And as I said, you get an idea that an uptrend is starting when you have a first five wave move to the upside. Now you can get five wave move to the upside on a very small time frame, five minute chart. That's not going to be large enough um, to indicate that the trend is going back to the upside. So what I'm watching for is first five wave move. So first impulse in an ideal world. So again, that's just elite wave language, but a first five wave move up that I can trust that breaks above that resistance. And yeah, then the price will probably have moved, I don't know, maybe 5%, I don't know, 10% or something. So it takes some patience. Um, but that's exactly why I accumulate on the way down as well, slowly, spot positions. But I want to see that five-wave move to get confidence. And then that's not going to be enough. That's only the first confirmation. It needs to be above resistance. And then the pullback afterwards, because there will always be a pullback correction. If that is a so-called three-wave structure, we call them ABC structures. They can take other forms. And it's holding a higher low. So there will be a support level that I can identify after that rally. And if that's holding that support, which is again at Fibonacci level, yeah, that's the bottoming pattern that, that I would use then as well for a trade setup because it would be a pullback trade, um, trading, basically buying support where I can also set a tight stop loss. So it takes a bit of patience to wait for it, but that's the waiting for that. For example, in the last few weeks has, I hope, saved a lot of my viewers from making wrong decisions because we had a few rallies, but I always emphasize we haven't got a bottoming pattern. We, we need to wait for those five waves. And a lot of those rallies, or all of them, were just three wave rallies. So they did not they did not sustain, right? They broke down again. For example, we had that news event about the, um, what is the grayscale ETF, I think, where there was a rally and it broke mm -hmm. down again. But we were tracking potential five wave move, but I highlighted, look, we cannot confirm that a low is in place until we get those five waves. And yeah, it takes patience to wait for it. And it frustrates a lot of people it's always the same process, but without that process, I, I would have called a lot of wrong bottoms probably, you know, and a lot of people would jump onto a trade or I don't know. I mean, I never tell people what to do because everybody should have their own strategy. But mm -hmm. obviously when the analysis says we might have bottomed, people might make the wrong decisions. So I'm very cautious. I always like to wait for the evidence in the chart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, we talked a bit about the altcoins. You have mentioned that you... You got in quite early in Cardano. You have perhaps a, a good position there. Uh, I've also been invested in Cardano. I'm looking at the chart though, and as of late, I would say it hasn't done very well. What are, no, what are your thoughts on, on Cardano right now? Yeah, it hasn't done very well. And um, it, um, I, I think, so my forecast at least shows that it's, it's currently moving in very, very, it's just been moving sideways, really. Obviously, it's still volatile. So it's, getting less volatile now these days, but it has been very volatile around December, January, but that volatility has reduced. So it seems to be moving in some kind of a triangle, which suggests another bear market low for, for ADA. It's quite interesting that Bitcoin obviously 
in this, yeah, you could say bear market, or currently at least this year, Bitcoin outperformed a lot of altcoins. A lot of altcoins, when Bitcoin is coming down, they, they drop much more, but they didn't really recover with Bitcoin a lot. Mm -hmm. There are only a few altcoins, I think, that are currently in a, let's say, potential position from where um, at least a third wave rally could start together with Bitcoin. A, a lot of the other altcoins have already made new bear market lows and would need to build a bottoming structure from scratch, which then again just adds uncertainty. So for, for ADA, the trend is still down, in my opinion. I think we might, again, it's very, it's a moving target. At the moment, I'm watching sort of the 15 cent level. Uh, is potential next target to the downside. Mm -hmm. Right. Then... Hopefully for the next bull. I mean, I, it, long term, it's still a decent chart, I think. Um, but again, it's just an altcoin, as many others as well. But if it can, if it can um, rally to a new all-time high in the next bull run, which I mean, it, it certainly is, at the moment still can from from the chart point of view, it, it should sort of reach at the minimum four dollars, four dollars and fifty. Um, that's sort of at least what, from what we can see now, is a projection for the bull run. Mm -hmm. it, interesting. How how exactly would you project um, targets based on these uh, higher time frames? Because would you be using the logarithmic chart for that, for example? Um, yeah, it's interesting. So normally I use for the long term chart the the logarithmic chart. Um, it is, however, these logarithmic charts when you really project targets for altcoins. I mean, they show you really very distant targets uh, for because of the volatility in the in the altcoin sector. So I normally I use a mix between log and 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 uh, linear chart or arithmetic chart. Mainly for long term charts, I use the log chart. But for projecting upside targets, I like to use actually because it's proven very reliable for third wave rallies. I like to use the linear chart to project a target for a third wave, which would be the next all time high. Uh, rally for for ADA, and yeah, I would use typically the area. The minimum is the is the one point six one eight Fibonacci extension. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there might be. I mean, on the log chart, you would you would just use a lower extension level for the next all time high then. But if you really go with a one point six one eight extension on the log chart for an altcoin, it right. provides, in my opinion, unrealistic targets for mm -hmm. for Bitcoin. They I think they've always worked, but it takes time to get there. I think um, the linear chart. At least, what in terms of upside targets, I found it quite reliable, to be honest. So, for a third wave rally, I would use the, I would measure the length of the wave one to the bottom of the wave two, and then you typically are looking for the area around. Well, the one point six one eight extension is the minimum, but they can always extend higher. The, the the normal mindset that needs to happen, or you need you need to adopt the mindset in a third wave rally that the extensions will always happen, right? Because otherwise, you exit too early. So you just you just move up your stop loss continuously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That that makes a lot of sense, and it's it's kind of the same conclusion I reached. Because, like you said, I mean, hey, you know, if, if if those logarithmic targets get reached, you know, all the all the better. But um, you know, I, yeah. I mean, I'd still be quite happy. I mean, if if Ada reaches four dollars, you know, I'd already be quite happy. So, <laughs> I would. I yeah, would... and I mean that. Yeah, exactly. And that that's really just the minimum target it should it should do. I mean, it should ideally go higher. That would only be the third wave. Then you get a fourth wave correction and another high in a fifth wave. So it might actually. I might go to $10, but that's very, you know, it, I, I try to avoid those bullish projections currently in the bear market because we haven't even bottomed. And um, yeah, then people people get disappointed. <laughs> right, absolutely. Now, you said before that you, you actually got started trading stocks and stuff like that. Um, 
do you trade stocks right now? What what is your current view of the market? Yeah, the stock market is very mixed at the moment. So I, um, but we obviously have we have a second channel. I'm not sure if you were more trading online. So I, I analyze some stocks, uh, gold, silver, and as well. So I, I try to have a broad overview of different markets as well, even though not that intensely, not as intensely as the crypto market, mm-hmm. um, which I live and breathe at the moment. But yeah, with regards to stocks, um, yeah, the, I think the. The situation is, I mean, I'm also looking at the S&P 500 and I, I track it um, sort of in parallel as well. I find it quite important. There's generally sort of an idea of the sentiment in the market. And I've been tracking it for many years as well. And for many, many years since I yeah, really started to get involved with Elliott Wave, I think it's really at a point that is one of the most difficult uh, it's one of the most difficult markets I think I've I've seen in the last ten years, you could say, um, because it's at a major decision point. The S and P big uncertainty. I think it can go potentially in an in an year end rally, maybe to a new all time high. Mm-hmm. But it's at a critical critical decision point. I mean, I'm I'm tracking. Can't remember what the support level is, but if we get um, we, we seem to be coming down now a little bit. So if we come down too deep now. And there's a certain support level, can't remember what it is, 4,000 something points. Um, if it goes below that, in a five-wave move, we might we might get quite a bit of a crash, actually, of maybe even 40%, 50%. Um, I'm not sure if it will go down that much, but it would be quite a substantial, probably several year-long dip, to be honest, or crash, you could say. And that would probably affect a lot of the stocks as well. So I'm really watching that at the moment. Um, it's really, I'm very neutral about it because... While the short-term trend is still up, I would still focus on higher at the moment, also from how I see the market. And I, I, I think there is a decent potential to reach an all-time high. But even after that, maybe reaching 5,500 points or so, even after that, we should see a decent correction. But that would probably then not start until maybe end of next year, 2025. Um, mm-hmm. So that at least what the chart suggests at the moment. I mean, that, that can always stretch out. You know, you can get extensions to the upside. But there's obviously now there's a key decision point uh, that we're approaching mm, and we're getting there i think maybe in the next couple of months or so so i'm tracking that um so yeah there, it's not very clear at the moment we're not clearly in an uptrend it was the S&P, for example wasn't a nice uptrend since also october last year so it was quite nice but now we have sort of ex- maybe exhausted that because mm-hmm. it's also looking at elliott waves it's we've moved up in three waves now so that's always yeah. when a chart can break down so it's quite interesting but there are some stocks which are performing quite quite well at the moment i'm, I'm currently observing uh tesla for example um i find it quite interesting it could still move higher um but obviously I'm, I'm watching very much these support levels so i'm trading tesla in parallel i'm trading coinbase um mm-hmm. but yeah I'm, I'm focusing a lot on the analysis these days so i'm not i'm not doing intraday trading or so but i, I use my own analysis for sort of swing trades, you know, that maybe last a few weeks. I'm currently observing the, um, the Teladoc is one company that I'm watching while I'm watching the charts, uh, PayPal as well. Um, they're all still, I think, sort of in a downtrend at the moment. Tesla Tesla might have started an uptrend already. So, but mm-hmm. a, lot of co- a lot of coins, a lot of stocks are still in downtrend, but approaching key levels like Teladoc, like, like a Square is one or Block that I'm observing, mm-hmm. um, PayPal. I'm just waiting for the right entry point. There are some good, um, good interesting opportunities out there at the moment. Um, <laughs> watching the cannabis sector as well, which is highly speculative, but they had some good runs. Uh, it's been doing well, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, 
I'm, I'm, I'm watching different, uh, different markets. I'm sort of trading mm -hmm. here and there as well when I see the opportunity, but not, not like intraday or something, more like mm -hmm. swing trades that last a few weeks. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. A, a, bit like, a lot of similarities in the market, I would say, to, to crypto. Now, you've had some of the, some of the main stocks, obviously, the, the Magnificent 7 going up, like Tesla, then all the, some of the out stocks, let's say, maybe not, not doing so well. Still, no. still put in that bear market territory, but you talk about a 30 40 percent correction. So, do you, would that take us below the like, would you expect that to take us below the lows of the uh, October about 3500? Or, yeah, it could do so. It would be, um, so I know we don't have the chart in front of us, but it's um, the October low I'm currently counting basically as a way four, so it would right. be mm -hmm. um. It, from a from a bullish point of view, a, a wave four would have finished there. So that means we're now in a wave five to the upside, could get to a new all-time high. But it could be, because we only rallied currently in three waves, that the wave four was never finished. It was only the first wave of that wave four to the downside. We're now moving up in the corrective B wave. Um, and we're now come we're, we're gonna come down in the last wave, which is going to be potentially impulsive to the downside, taking out that low. So that's that's the risk at the moment in the market mm -hmm. because it's just that decision point. I'm I'm, right. I'm fairly neutral about it, and to be honest, from a risk management point of view, it might make sense to expect it because even if we are holding support and we go higher, um, the projections show that I mean, yeah, we are going to make probably a new all-time high, but it it is sort of the last bit of the rally, okay? But the downside mm -hmm. is much 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 greater. So the downside mm -hmm. potential is quite high actually at the moment. Thank right. You. Yeah. I'm definitely tracking a similar account where yeah, we could get to those all-time highs and then start a more um kind of mm -hmm. longer bear market. Do you see any chance of like kind of divergence between stocks and crypto where you know stocks kind of enter a longer bear market, but crypto uh manages or at least Bitcoin maybe to to keep performing a bit better, or do you still see that correlation holding? Yeah, I mean I'm I'm not too much as for most most Elliott Wave analysts, I'm not too much in correlations. Um right. they they seem to break. Um you never you know there are correlations, absolutely, but <laughs> they stop, they come and go. Um and I, I recently I made a chart for myself, I tracked the correlation between Bitcoin and the S P five hundred, and it just you have periods where they are positively correlated and then periods that are also quite long where they are negatively correlated. So you basically all the time have to track, okay, when are we positively and when negatively correlated so there is not really you can't say that it's always uh, that they always move together now they a lot of markets started to correlate with each other <laughs> after the 2020 crash um that that can that can stop at some point right um so yeah absolutely i see the potential that this could happen um i'm, I'm very much just watching the charts individually uh, you never know what the fundamental reason you could say might be for that you know there could be something that I don't know affects the financial sector or something that causes maybe even a, I don't know a black swan event. I mean you can never predict them, right? But that might cause um, the S and P to come down quite quite deep, or maybe crypto will will hold quite well. I don't, I don't know, you know. So best to focus on the charts individually. But yeah, I definitely see the possibility that they might diverge from each other. Yeah, because they have done in the past. I mean that the data is there. It's just that um, it a lot of people just. I don't know, they just track the correlations, whereas there are also periods where they haven't been correlated, really. And to be honest, um, you know, getting maybe into a recession, it's sort of Bitcoin's first recession as well. We don't really know how Bitcoin behaves and uh, in a recession. So it's, it's going to be very interesting. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, interesting, interesting point there for the markets for sure. And in terms of um, Outcoin, you know, we've, you've mentioned that you know, a lot of them don't look great, but perhaps some of them, uh, you know, could start rallying with Bitcoin. What are the maybe two or three good setups in Outcoins that you'd like to share with us? I think most most altcoin setups at the moment they are actually on the on the short side probably. I mean, um, most altcoins I, I can tell you they are, they are not really looking good. Some had potential after the June lows, but mm -hmm. they were not high confidence setups to the upside. So I think there are really only I mean Solana is probably from all coins that I'm tracking at the moment the one that looks Solana maybe Matic. Mm -hmm. um, potentially BNB, but that comes with some problems as well. They, I think they are all not really where I would say we've got a high quality setup here, but I think they are of all the ones that I track probably the best ones. So Matic, BNB and Solana at the moment, at least, I mean, they haven't confirmed that they have bottomed, but they are coming down quite deep and the long-term charts still look okay. And they have a potential that they soon are going to complete their correction. Mm -hmm. um, there are some very short-term setups. I mean, Aave currently is one that I'm tracking that could move directly up from here, but I have no trust it's going to do that. So that's probably going to break. Um, and then there are some which I find quite interesting that still have a little bit more downside to do, but they show them an initial impulse. So I'm tracking um, LDO is one, LDO. Mm -hmm. And um, LDO and Veracity. But they are, you know, even though they are at the moment, they, I would say decent long trade setups, they haven't confirmed that a low is in play. So I think they are still set to go lower at the moment. But there's a certain breaking point, which I highlight in my videos, uh, which will be different for each coin. So it's, some, yeah, and, and with um, the current market condition, obviously, it's it's very speculative. So most most coins I'm tracking, I, I'm tracking the resistances for potential short trade setups, to be honest, at the moment. But even even now, I mean, they've come down now. Since I mean, middle of July, we had I think the last high. So the coins have been correcting now for a couple of months. I think we're getting to the point where a lot of them are oversold. Mm -hmm. So we are probably going to see in the maybe even as a year end rally some 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 potential upside across the sector. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Most of the of the setups probably to the short side. I would agree with you on Solana there having probably a, a nice setup. You know, Solana is one that. I kind of uh, hate to love, but, you know, <laughs> it's had some issues in the past, you know, as a project, like I say it's very centralized, I find this, but, you know, still people seem to like it, you know, they had that partnership, mm -hmm. I believe, with a, with Shopify and USDC, so, you know, the chart looks kind of decent, right, so, so maybe mm -hmm. it's an opportunity there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't see why they, why they couldn't do all this stuff on Cardano, right? <laughs> Yeah, and that's the problem with the, you know, the use case and everything, because um, there are just too many projects. <laughs> there are just too many projects, and you, you know, you don't know which one is going to make it. So for me, the approach with altcoins is literally just just for swing trading. I don't, I don't. Uh, I mean, maybe that has changed over over the years because otherwise, it probably wouldn't have held ADA. Uh, I mean, I took profit in the bull run, but we probably could have sold everything. Um, but yeah, I guess for me it's more like you know, no, no fundament, no, no fundamentals out there, no use case or tokenomics, how they call it, has protected any coin from the bear market. That that's fact. And uh, mm -hmm. despite you know, this is the best use case, and oh, this coin is going to make it, and and oh, here, um, you know, low inflation or deflationary altcoin or tokenomics, but none none of that has protected any coin from the from the bear market. So 
yeah, it's always very questionable the, the the fundamentals in the altcoin sector. I think it's not proven. It's very very new. So we don't really know what we can really focus on for our fundamental analysis, which is why I think technical analysis for for cryptos is I think the best choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That that makes a lot of sense. And uh, in terms of gaining exposure to crypto, how do you feel about something like uh, Grayscale Bitcoin Trust? Would you would you advise buying that, or are you much more of a you know, not your keys, not your coins, cold storage kind of guy? Yeah, I, I think I pretty much am. I mean, I'm, it might it might be useful sort of as you know something that is easy to trade. You know, you can just do it from a normal brokerage account. I think um, mm -hmm. just to get some exposure for for some people maybe because it's easy to get some exposure. Um, well, I, I don't trade these. I also don't follow the charts. I think we've got, um, yeah, GPTC, Baito, or Baito. Um, but yeah, these, these ETFs or, yeah, these ETFs or funds. Yeah, I mean, I'm, again, I'm not trading the charts. They can, they can be at a premium or discount versus Bitcoin. So obviously that's something for traders to, to track. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, it can be useful for, for anybody who, might not feel because not everybody is into you know i buy bitcoin i buy a hardware wallet and i want to get into the tech so i think that's the main advantage that especially if we get a spot etf approved um it might get quite interesting for some people to get some exposure through their normal yeah brokerage account not really crypto exchange account um because then you have to deal with okay where do i store my coins okay i have to get a hardware wallet how does that work but yeah i think it's sort of um for those people, and that's okay because not everybody. I understand that not everybody wants to get into into that tech stuff. You know, it, it can be quite overwhelming if you need to get a hardware wallet. You've got your your key. You need to write that down. You need to store it safely. But that's not for everybody, and I think it prevents a lot of people from getting into crypto. Uh, and I would also not just keep my coins on an exchange because we all know what happened with a lot of exchanges out there, including FTX. Absolutely. So, you know, they can, they can be hacked. You can lose your access and all sorts of stuff can happen. So, yeah, and not everybody, you know, I'm, I'm very much a fan of diversifying. So, you know, having maybe not even only one hardware wallet, maybe a couple or three and, and put on different ones. And because what, you know, you might lose one, I don't know, and then everything is gone. Um, mm -hmm. and, and also having different exchange accounts. I, I like that because I like to be flexible, but that's not for everybody. So, you know, not everybody might want to get into that. So, yeah, I think. For that exactly for that purpose i think these are very useful to get the wider population maybe and get acceptance um for crypto out there and they are regulated as well at least i guess they will be especially if it's uh, they have to be approved by the sec they would you know be regulated and that would also have some positive impact because then you know some organizations might get into crypto that haven't done that yet right of course of course that makes a lot of sense and now for anyone getting started in crypto, maybe someone who is kind of new to trading in crypto, what advice would you give them? And maybe what sort of uh, resources would you direct them to? How does someone say, okay, I'm very interested in this crypto and trading. Where, where, where do people get started on this? I mean, <laughs> they could just join a community. Um, <laughs> I mean, they, they need to start somewhere. I mean, I, I would really recommend, um, obviously there's a bit of work required. I mean, the, at the moment in the bear markets, to be honest, uh, getting some exposure to crypto, the risk is probably quite low because mm -hmm. that you can just put some pocket money into some projects and maybe in the bull run, um, 
they, they will get you some car money or something, right? So you can get, get a, a lot with little. The, the question is, where do you start? So yeah, it's probably about diversifying, I think, in a few altcoins. But then again, I, I don't typically, I wouldn't typically recommend, or I don't see altcoins as investments vehicle necessarily, but more for trading. But then, you know, they could, they could follow certain setups. Doesn't need to be on my channel, it could be anywhere else. There are enough people out there who track these projects. But um, yeah, getting some exposure. And again, if you just buy a little bit of an altcoin, it's, it's also risk management, right? So the key is not to go all in with a, with a 10x leverage or even worse, higher leverage um, to, to, to think you can, you can get rich overnight, um, which might happen if you're lucky, but most likely it won't. And you will blow up your portfolio. So I think it's about getting, 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 getting an exchange account or two, maybe Coinbase or another exchange that, that can be trusted. Now, I wouldn't say you trust an exchange because you always have to be skeptical with these crypto exchanges, but um, go to the reputable ones, open an account, get some exposure, get a hardware wallet, um, and, and yeah, put something on there for the next bull run, I think, to get some exposure, especially Bitcoin, Ethereum, I personally would do, and maybe a few selected altcoins with a little bit of money. Um, now, how much that is, everybody has to decide for themselves. Um, and then, yeah, get, get, you know, get some education. Um, now, I... You know where do you get that obviously there's plenty of plenty of stuff on youtube um yeah i mean i, I don't use typically i i don't i mean there isn't really a page or website i would recommend i mean we offer a lot of education in the in the community but that's yeah everybody can decide which community they want to join i generally think a community helps because you are among others um but pick your community wisely you don't want a community where people are shilling coins or creating mm -hmm. panic so, and, and I think the community needs to give a lot of education because you as a beginner, you want to understand, okay, how does, how does risk management work? Um, how do I set up my hardware wallet? What hardware wallet do I pick? You know, you want to have helpful people. And uh, I mean, you can, you can Google all of that stuff or you watch a lot of YouTube videos or, but yeah, important is to, to get some understanding of the space and maybe get some initial exposure, just getting an initial position. If anybody wants to get into the crypto market now, it's probably the best time to be honest. But the problem is a lot of people will not do that. They will wait until Bitcoin is close to a new all-time high. And then and then we'll get all the messages. Is it too late now to buy? You know, and yeah, yeah, it's, gonna be, it's gonna be a little late. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That, that makes a lot of sense. You know, just just get started somehow and you know, probably set your expectations right. Like you say, don't manage risk and don't expect to become a millionaire overnight. Yeah, exactly. Because obviously, if you expect big profits, that comes with big risk and um I always say that the main priority should be, especially if you're, I mean, if you're now coming into crypto, chances are you've, you've probably not had, you don't have experience with, I guess, investing or trading. Um, so the preservation of your capital needs to be the priority. And then if you can do that by managing risk properly, then the profits should come automatically. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So where can we send people on the internet to find you? So yeah, I guess they can just, watch our youtube channel to find us on youtube more crypto online um should show up quite quickly website is morecryptoonline.com and um yeah more crypto online on twitter but there are a lot of fake accounts where you find the proper account on the website mm -hmm. and uh, it's also linked on the youtube channel awesome well thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show like i said before uh, i've been a big fan of, of your work and, you know, you, you do plenty of it. And 
yeah, thanks for coming on. And I hope we can do this again sometime. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity. Great. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you once again for listening to The Pragmatic Investor. If you're still around, I take it you enjoy the content, so you might enjoy subscribing to my free newsletter. You can find me on Substack, jamesfordsubstack.com, or you can simply type in The Pragmatic Investor. I do a free weekly newsletter where I, where I discuss macro and various types of alternative investments. You can, of course, also find me on YouTube, The Pragmatic Investor, and also on Seeking Alpha, The Pragmatic Investor.